Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back. To live, Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. You heard in that segment prior that there uh, was an address coming from Arizona from members of the the Trump campaign. I want to uh, share with you just a quick clip from that address. David Bossy, president of Citizens United, also former deputy campaign manager for Donald Trump in 2016, uh, he had this to say uh, just moments ago in Arizona: President Trump is going to overtake Joe Biden, and we are going to win Arizona. Look. The, what, the news organizations that prematurely called Arizona have really done a disservice to the American people. And so, look, it's, it, it's, that's water under the bridge. What we're going to do, what we're going to do is prove them wrong. Okay? That's what we're here to do. We're going to make sure that every single vote counts, and we're going to prove to the American people that Arizona is Trump country. All right, there you go. David Bossie uh, speaking from Arizona at a uh, Trump event. I'll also let you know that at any moment uh, we will be hearing from Joe Biden as he takes to the microphone again to address uh, the nation or whoever's watching uh, from Wilmington, Delaware. And when uh, he steps to the mic, uh, we will we'll bring you that live here on KSL News Radio. Uh, before that, though, let me ask you, I want to share a number with you. Twenty one. Do you remember that number? That was a big number here in Utah in 2016. Four years ago, that percentage was the number of Utah voters who cast their vote for Evan McMullen. It was historic and will forever be a part of Utah's history. Those 243,690 votes likely prevented Donald Trump from securing over 50% of the vote here in Utah, a feat which he has accomplished this cycle. Joining me on the program now is Evan McMullen. Sir, how are you? Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Lee. Doing well. Thank Good. you. Hey, uh, I, a tweet of yours caught my attention. You, yesterday afternoon, uh, tweeted, you said, If this race is called for Biden, Republican leaders will face an important decision. Go along with Trump's attempts to delegitimize the election or defend this sacred institution of free society. Their choice will provide a clue about the GOP's direction post-Trump, close quote. And uh, listen, Mr. McMullen, I'm sorry to do this, but uh, Joe Biden has taken to the stage now. And so let's for a moment dip in and, and, and hear what the candidate has to say. Sounds great. Sounds great. No one, not anything else, that chooses the president of the United States of America. So each ballot must be counted. And that's what we're going to see going through now. And that's how it should be. Democracy is sometimes messy. It sometimes requires a little patience as well. 
But that patience has been rewarded now for more than 240 years with a system of governance that's been the envy of the world. And we continue to feel, Senator and I, we continue to feel very good about where things stand. We have no doubt that when the count is finished, Senator Harris and I will be declared the winners. So I ask everyone to stay calm, all the people to stay calm. The process is working. The count is being completed. And uh, we'll know very soon. So thank you all for your patience. But we have to count the votes. God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. Thank you so much. All right, there you have uh, some remarks coming from Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, Joe Biden there addressing folks. He uh, standing alongside uh, his running mate, Kamala Harris, Senator Harris there. Uh, and, and I wonder, I, I presume that these uh, these will become periodic until we have uh, a winner decided. Anyway, turning back to my conversation with uh, Evan McMullen. Sir, are you still on the line? I am. I'm with you. Outstanding. Very good. Uh, b- before we get into the, the substance of your tweet, I, w- I want to talk about your relationship with the Republican Party. Uh, your background, very briefly, following your time uh, with the CIA, you volunteered on the Romney campaign in 2012. And then the next year, you worked for the House Republican Conference in Congress. Then uh, you left the party to run for president as an independent And you most recently have been very vocal about your support for the candidate from whom we just heard, Joe Biden. Talk to me a little bit about your relationship and view of the Republican Party today. Well, it's a a great question. I I am a registered Republican in the moment, uh, and I am one Republican that has, of course, disagreed with the direction of the party under President Trump's leadership. That doesn't mean I've disagreed with every policy um, initiative that, that the party has pursued. Um, but in terms of his leadership and, and much that he has brought into the party, um, I've, I've opposed that and advocated for a recommitment to foundational principles and conservatism uh, that can appeal across the board to Americans of all kinds of different backgrounds. Uh, and so as far as what happens in the future with my affiliation with the party, you know, if Trump is defeated in, in this election, then I think uh, there's an opportunity for uh, a debate about the direction of the party. Uh, if he is not, if he prevails, then then I think there's probably less of an opportunity for a debate about the direction of the party. And so I'm, I'm waiting to see what happens with that. Uh, there are good things and bad things with regard to the party that I see out there happening. Um, but I, you know, we can talk about them. But I will say that I think uh, I, I think that our state, that Utah, that our tradition of unifying leadership is what the country needs and is what the GOP needs. And I would like to see uh, us as, as a state and, and our representatives in Congress uh, step up uh, and provide leadership, more leadership to the country, more leadership uh, within the Republican Party and the Democratic Party in the years to come. I think the country needs our more unifying uh, tradition of leadership. Are there are there Republicans, high profile Republicans in office today who exemplify in, in your view the you know the, the proper way to be a Republican, I guess, for lack of a better phrase? Well, look, I, I think there are examples. Yeah, I think Senator Romney has, has been a, a principled uh, servant of, of the public and has upheld his oath to defend the Constitution. I think Spencer Cox, uh, who has just now been recently uh, elected as, as our governor, uh, is another f- phenomenal example. Uh, and there are others. So, you know, that's what I mean about Utah. We have this tradition of more unifying principled conservatism that's still compassionate 
that's what I think we need. I, I think there are, you know, there are examples, unfortunately, in the state of, I think, some of our representatives who have, have, have you know, strayed a bit in the last four years. And, you know, I think about Senator Lee recently uh, comparing Donald Trump to Captain Moroni. And, you know, I think we can all agree whether we support President Trump or, or not as Republicans, as conservatives, uh, we can all agree, or most of us, I think, can agree that, that that was a comparison that didn't make a lot of sense. Is that And so, you know, I'm worried about some things there. But I, I, I think, again, the state and Republicans in the state have a tremendous opportunity to provide needed leadership. Just to, to, to ask you for some clarification on that Lee example you cited, do, do you view his comparison uh, between Captain Moroni and Donald Trump to be a, and if it's a shortcoming that you, you, know, you call it, is it a shortcoming of communication or is it a, or is it a partisan shortcoming? Is, is, is his comparison there a reflection of him as a Republican or as a communicator? It's deeper than just style. I think there's a tendency out there for people who support the president to to conclude that those who don't just differ with his style that's just not true i mean look i've you know i spent years working all over the world as as a cia officer and dealt with all kinds of people whose styles i didn't much appreciate candidly but you learn how to work with people and and when you're doing good things and you go forward Uh, i think with president trump it is you know we we could spend a lot of time talking about it of course but you know, it's a deep, deep character issue. Captain Moroni obviously was a righteous leader uh, who, um, who, you know, Scripture tells us that, you know, if if all if all men were were like him, that you know, evil would essentially be defeated, uh, and that's just not the case with a president uh, like President Trump, who has been so incredibly divisive and 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 cruel and amoral. Uh, it's just you can't you can't even compare the two. But but there are policy issues, too. Of course, it's not it's not just the style, the divisive style, which is important because we're not going to find solutions to to modern challenges with divisive leaders. It just won't work. So that d- divisiveness and indecency really does matter. But it's also the rejection of science during a pandemic. It's catering to extremist movements that are violent and doing just terrible things in our country, yeah. cozying up to foreign dictators, reckless spending, driving the national debt up to $27 trillion even before the pandemic when you know we were running trillion-dollar annual uh, deficits, yeah. uh, the attacks on the rule of law. These are all substantive issues that just – aren't good for the country and aren't good for the Republican Party. And I think in a post-Trump world, we can leave these things behind and and move forward, capitalizing on, on some good things that have happened, uh, like bringing working class people into the party. I think that's a good thing. President Trump did that. Um, if we can we can continue to do that, but without some of these negative things as a Republican Party, and I think we can be much more competitive electorally, we can provide better leadership to the country. And, and that's the kind of, and I think Utah, I think the people of Utah and its representatives can provide that kind of leadership. All right. Uh, we'll have to leave it at that. Evan McMullen, thank you so much for your time on the program today, sharing with us your view. Uh, look forward to speaking to you again sometime. Uh, we're going to take a Black break. Poison. Thank you, man. Uh, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, uh, we're going to speak to a hero, a hero who saved a young baby. There was an Amber Alert yesterday. And that fear was brought to an end by my guest next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley. 
investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.